Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Charitable Georgia. Brought to you by Bees Charitable Pursuits and Resources. We put the fun in fundraising. For more information, go to beescharitablepursuits.com. That's B-E-E-S charitablepursuits.com. Now, here's your host, Brian Pruitt. Good Fabulous Friday. It's another Fabulous Friday morning. And first of all, everybody, Happy New Year. This is the first show since for being back from the holidays in 2024. So hope everybody had a great holiday season. And um, even though it's kind of nasty weather out there, it's still a Fabulous Friday. We've got two Fabulous guests this morning. If this is your first time listening, Charitable Georgia is all about positive things happening in the community, whether it's a business, individual, or nonprofit. And I've got two guys. I'm like a little kid in candy store this morning. I got two guys in the studio. I got to call friends too, but they played professional sports. I get to dream about playing professional sports. So Nathan Bates, Kenny Graham Jr., thanks for being here this morning. Of course. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So, uh, Nathan, we'll start with you just for, uh, just for a second. Um, you currently work with CMIT Solutions in Marietta, but you, uh, played college ball at Georgia State, mm-hmm. and then you went on and played in the Angels organization and played professionally in Mexico. So share a little bit about your background, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, my, uh, I moved a lot when I was younger. My dad was, uh, you know, in corporate sales job, so bounced around quite a bit, quite a bit. Um, and then, uh, went to high school down in the Peachtree City, Fayetteville area. Went to Stars Mill down there, and then, uh, like you said, three years at Georgia State um, as a pitcher. Uh, playing baseball and pitching was uh, drafted by the Angels in the fifteenth round, and was bouncing around the minor leagues, traveling all over the place, doing that uh, and having fun doing it. And until it wasn't fun anymore, after about eight years, um, you know, got engaged, getting ready to get married, had some uh, some other things going on, and priorities had changed. So it's time to take a, a different direction there. But loved every second of uh, of the playing playing career and. Like you said, now I'm uh, in IT sales for a company called CMIT Solutions. We do uh, IT for small, medium-sized businesses up in the Cobb, Douglas, and uh, Paulding County areas, but, you know, really anywhere in metro Atlanta. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. You know, I've played in a couple of uh, golf tournaments um, that you've invited me to, a couple of charity scrambles, been on a a panel to talk, and whether it's, you know, giving back and having a conversation or donating money, it's just a a lot of fun to be involved in everything you do and and happy to be uh, invited to do it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And we'll get back to you in just a second. So, uh, Kenny Graham Jr., you also played pro ball. You were with the White Sox for a while. And then you actually spent one year in arena football until the nasty COVID thing hit. But right. Absolutely. Give us a little bit about your background, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. So originally from Lawrenburg, North Carolina, um, born, uh, my mom and dad, uh, they actually still happy married. They actually just celebrated 32 years of marriage, um, last week. Uh, I did my undergrad at uh, North Carolina A&T State University. Had a degree in computer engineering and mining uh, public speaking. Um, I actually wasn't drafted. I was an undrafted free agent. Um, at that time, they had something called the American Baseball Institute um, down in Clearwater, Florida at the Phillies uh, Spring Training Complex. And it was like an institute for guys who got overlooked in the draft or guys who got released. And I went down there for a tryout, me, my dad, and my uncle. Um, I just happened around like a six four sixty. Um, I topped out at 110 miles an hour from the outfield left-handed. Uh, and then I took BP. My BP sucked. Literally. <laughs> I was so nervous. I was 19 years old. So I was nervous and it was over 600 guys mm-hmm. at this tryout and everything. We had 10 swings and everything I hit, hit my back, hit the tarp 
and went back into the screen. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my dad and my uncle. I said, yo, they're sending me home. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not coming back. Because the next day was like the inner squad day. And I was like, dad, we're, I'm going home, man. Like, my BP sucked. So the next day, it rained out. So we had like an off day. So we go back the next day. And they called the names out for, you know, for the inner squad games. And they said Kenny Graham Jr. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you hit 110 from the outfield and run a 6-4. Right? You get <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and that's exactly what they told me because I asked, I said, did y'all not see my BP? They was like, nah, you looked a little uncomfortable up there. Mm-hmm. So, make a long story short, they said, we want to see what you look like in game-like situations. So, they can't really determine off of a little tryout style. So, um, I ended up going three for four, two bombs and a double. Made some plays in the outfield, you know, some diving plays, man. And I had a representative from the Chicago White Sox in Dominican Republic out of Boca Chica. Mm-hmm. Um, he literally came up to me and said, hey, we want you. Um, I was like, I've never been out of the country day in my life. You know, I'm a spoiled little boy from North Carolina. I love my mom and dad. Like, I'm still in school. So I ended up, like, leaving A&T for that year. I moved to DR for that summer. I played in Dominican Summer League. Play for the Los Tibicos with uh, Robinson Cano's father was our GM, Jose Cano. Oh. I mean, um, yeah, Jose Cano. And then I ended up standing there for like a whole year. And I played Winter League over there as well. And then that's literally how my whole career started. I say I bounced around in the minors for a little mm-hmm. bit, um, tore my knee. I got married at 24 years old, okay. so – I'm 34 now, okay. so I got a little younger. Uh, <laughs> little, a lot of baseball players. Right, right. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you know what I mean? We got uh, my um, my previous wife. She had three kids before me, so I took care of them as my own once we got together. And then we have our seven-year-old daughter together. So I got four kids. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, so basically what happened once I got hurt in 2017, I just, you know, I tried to bounce around, said bump baseball. And like you said, I mentioned you mentioned arena football so I started training for arena football down in Tampa. I went down there. Um, I think I, a matter of fact, I reached out to the guy that trained me on email. And I said, Hey man, I play pro baseball. I'm tired of baseball. Don't want to look at it. I want to play football. I got a lot of anger and aggression. I want to mm-hmm. hit somebody. Can you train me? <laughs> I've been able to do it. In right. baseball. <laughs> there you go. I was yes. like, can you train me? Uh-huh. So they emailed me back and said, fortunately we can do it. I was like, oh, okay. So, it was a little expensive. It was like $2,200 a week mm-hmm. that I spent. But I was like, I told my wife at the time, I said, look, I got to go for a couple of weeks. Make a long story short, man, I did NFL combine training. Totally different. Mm-hmm. So, I got a whole nother respect for uh, NFL players. Football players, totally different. Mm-hmm. The first day warm-up, I felt like I was about to die. Just in the warm-up. Yeah. We didn't even do speed and agility, not even training yet. It was just the warm-up. Wow. My lower back was tight. So, after the first week, I was fine. And then... um. I've met some good NFL guys, some Buccaneers guys. At that time, arena ball is right around spring training. Mm-hmm. So when the Yankees guys came in, I got to meet CC Sabathia and all them boys. So okay. they were trained there too. And then the Tampa Tornadoes had a tryout, and I went to the tryout. Now, mind you, I'm a little flashy. So <laughs> I pulled up to – Right. So I pulled up to the tryout in a drop-top BMW, okay? I was like, yeah, I'm going I'm to I'm show out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my trainer was with me. So I'm the only guy that walks in with a trainer. So now everybody's looking at me. So I'm like, all right, I got to show out. Mm-hmm. So make a long story short, man, I ended up, we ended up doing the L drill. I did good on there. And then we had to run the 40. And I ran a 4-4-5. And after I ran that, the, one of the owners was like, yo, get his number right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> and he comes, so the player developer, he was like, uh, you know, I had my, my college shirt on. And he said, uh, man, you, you went to A&T? I said, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, when did you graduate? I said, man, it's 2011. He said, wait, wait, wait. 
you play in the NFL? I said, like, nah. <laughs> he said, you, you play football, right? I said, but I ain't never played football a day in my life. He said, what you do? I said, I used to play pro baseball. He was like, not looking like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, man. I said, I just, I've always been a football guy. I just never played it. My dad wouldn't let me. So he was like, man, I'm going to send you a contract tonight. To make a long story short, I get home, uh, back to the hotel. I check my Facebook. I get a friend request from both owners, the player developer, and the head coach, and the starting quarterback. And they they messaged me and said, you're getting a contract tonight. I looked over it. My wife and I at the time went to Vegas, celebrated, signed mm-hmm. it on Facebook Live. Boom, played arena football, and then COVID happened. Especially after not not having done it previously, that's incredible. Oh yeah, yeah. I played defense. Play. I played defensive end so, too. As soon as you said, I mean, you got to have some kind of physicality to throw 110 from the outfield too. I mean, I do, but mine's just leverage. I don't have that. I got that you. strength that you got. But you run a six four. Yeah. There's some other sports that are gonna right. come knocking. Be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Best, right. Now, now I'll be transparent. If I knew what I knew now, especially at baseball, because I'm a lefty. Mm-hmm. If I knew what I knew Pitching. now, I would. Yeah, because when I was in college, I was like 96 off the mound mm-hmm. with no mechanics. But I got to respect you, too, because y'all did a lot of conditioning. It's, and when I used to see the conditioning in college, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And I don't know how to swim at that time. So we making swim, pitchers doing swimming workouts in the pool. Which is the best thing you can do health-wise to keep your arm. I mean, yeah, I believe it. It's great. But, so I, I, before I, when I turned 10, I stopped swimming. My sister was an All-American swimmer in college, uh, Georgia Southern. Yeah. And I swam for a couple of years. And when I was 10, I was like, this is worse than running because all you're doing is going back and forth. Right, right, except right. for, you know, you're, you could drown. And I just the, my arm never felt better, but I was like, it's still not worth it. It's so, just, so I, I read a story about Lenny Dykstra. Now it wasn't swimming, but he was in the pool, and you know, Lenny Dykstra was a switch hitter. Mm-hmm. And he, the what I read was he took a hundred swings on from both sides underneath Under the, the water with the bat. Nah, I, I do that. Surprise me, yeah, that, that, yeah, because that's just a way to get resistance without putting any stress on anything, any any joints or anything like that. Which is why it's so great for pitchers because all they do, you can only throw so many pitches off the mound. You can take a lot more swings, not unlimited, but you can right, take a lot right. more. It's not like going to a gym and shooting a basketball. You can't just stay there for eight hours and get shots up. I mean, you, there's a limit. So being able to to add some of that work in without putting the stress on your body is right. really good if you can do it. But again, yeah, that, that's old school. If, right you, can, there. if right. you can do it, yeah, right. if you right. can do it, I, I was not worth it to me. So I got lots of questions. So hang on for the ride. Right. Um, I'm sure, so I'm sure we're both used to it. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, first of all, I'm gonna, I just want to, I want to do this. So you guys, again, like I mentioned, have done some things with me for fundraisers and I've started my business of be sure pursuits and resources doing community fundraising. And, uh, like you said, Nathan, you've recently done some golf tournaments and we mm-hmm. did the locker room chat and, uh, Kenny, you were, it was a while ago, but you came out to the thing we did in 2015. Can you believe it's been that Man. long? I had just moved here in 2014, yeah. and I got, got drafted in 2015. Really? <laughs> oh man, dang! I got you by a long side of age. <laughs> you feel old. Man. So our, our mutual buddy Eric Green's when it got us connected. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know. But we did the thing when Skip Wells. Yeah, you know, so we did the trivia night for his. You know, man, so. 25. I was 25 years old, big dog. <laughs> dang, I've, I've been in Georgia that long. It's crazy. Yep. So first of all, I just appreciate you guys coming out and giving back to the community. Um, so, uh, Nathan, this is going to start with you with this mm-hmm. question. So obviously playing sports and, and being in professional sports, while you may not have had the name in the major leagues, mm-hmm. but you still were professional. Mm-hmm. Um, just give me a reason why it's important for you to be part of the community now. Well, I think a lot of it was, uh, like the culture or, you know, whatever sport it is in the locker room and you get that camaraderie with the team and you build a lot of really good relationships. And that's, you know, 
half of the fun of, in my opinion, of at least baseball, if not, you know, most professional sports is that, uh, those relationships and that camaraderie and the, and the culture you build in the clubhouse. And so that was one of the things when I retired, that was one of the things I was kind of, I realized I was missing. Um, and the more I went out and was doing networking and, you know, doing sales and business development in, in our area, that was one of the things I realized that was, um, it was good to me on a selfish level because I got to, you know, build more relationships, get to know some really good people and, uh, and expand, you know, network. And since we're new to the Marietta area, you know, getting to go around in a lot of places like that. But, um, but giving back was a really, really important to me because there's the more I think about it, there's so many people that helped me get where I am and without almost any one of them, I wouldn't have gotten there. Um, and so even if it's just something small, you never know when someone you're going to say something about a sport and, Oh yeah, my son plays baseball. Could you talk to him? Even if it's a five minute conversation, you know, I still answer the phone every time my high school pitching coach picks up. Cause I know it's always because he's got a student with him or a kid with him, a high school player. And he asked me a question that he knows the answer to, but he just wants the kid to hear a professional baseball player or former professional baseball player say it. So um, it's important to me just because of one way or another, there's a lot of ways to give back. And a lot of people did that for me when I was younger. And it's extremely important for me to, to do what I can to do the same thing. Um, however that, you know, looks All right. Kenny, how about you? Um, I'm actually in the same boat, uh, with him and I'm all about giving back, um, especially the environment that I grew up in. Um, so like I said, if you don't know too much about Lawrenburg, North Carolina, we're actually ranked number one, most dangerous place to be in the state of North Carolina. Wow. And I mean, when I tell you, like, we're beating Charlotte and Charlotte yeah, is Charlotte. extremely big. <clears throat> Excuse me. But like my hometown is one high school, three middle schools. Uh, at that time, we had five elementary schools. You know what I mean? So, but the way the time is now, there's nothing to do for the community, nothing to do for the youth. Um, and it's almost kind of like, man, if you don't get out, you're stuck. So it's like when I go back home and I see people that I graduated high school with that's 34, 35 years old, and they're looking like they're in their 50s and stuff now, you know, it's kind of sad to me because at the end of the day, you know, they probably didn't get that opportunity like I did. And again, it's it's, it's about networking. Mm -hmm. I'm a relationship person. Um, I, that's just, I just really big on uh, developing great relationships, not burning bridges. Um, so I feel like being in the community, like he said, you're going to have a lot of individuals that get to see you. Um, you will have somebody who say, like I said, I, I want to play sports. I want to play baseball or just somebody that say, you know what? This is somebody that's been through something. And look where they are now. You know what I mean? And they use baseball mm -hmm. or another sport or even a uh, business to use that as a platform to get to where they're at now. So, like I say, it's real, very pivotal that you are in the community as much as you can. Um, that's one thing I hated about COVID because I had so much I was going to do in the city of Tampa, Florida. I um, mean, my, my spiritual advisors there, like I said, the Tampa Tornadoes football team, um, especially in the rural areas. Um, I wanted to do so much. Um, you know, doing that. And then, uh, man, I just hate COVID happened, but things happen for a reason. But right. again, being, being connected in the community is, is very pivotal for right. me. Yeah. You guys both mentioned it. And, uh, so it's a good segue because I always ask this too. So you, you both talked about uh, networking and, and Kenny, you're right on. It's all about relationship building, right? Most people come in and networking if they're new to networking and they try to sell, sell, sell. And that's not the way to do it. You got to learn about the other person and build that relationship. Um, so. Let me start with you, Kenny, because you're you're now training kids, right? Right, right. Um, do you get to do much networking now? Absolutely, I do. I do because I'm gonna be honest. Uh, a lot of people ask me what I do. You train baseball or football? Baseball. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's 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 be re transparent. I, I can't do younger kids. 
Oh, bro, I get it. <laughs> high school, like yeah, mm-hmm. high school. I I rather do college at least. You know mm-hmm. what I mean, and mm-hmm. then just do pro guys. But yep. high school is my limit. But again, I, I I get to network a lot because of the fact that a lot of people ask what I do. You know, like for work now, and I'm like, I just chill. You know what I mean? <laughs> just because of you know the relationships I had, and guys kind of put me in a position to where I don't have to you know, punch a clock anymore and I can mm-hmm. just march to the beat of my own drum. So I do have a lot of time to network. Um and again, being in the the Milton and Alpharetta area, it's so many baseball guys out there. Yeah. So many. Like I didn't know that Dexter Fowler went to Milton High School. You know, yeah, and I live across names in that area. Right. And yeah. I live right across the street from Milton High School. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, we was talking about baseball facilities yep. in the area, you know, uh uh, Chris Buchek, mm-hmm. um is at Precision. I coached at Precision a couple years Buchek ago. Buchek was a coach in the Angels organization. Well, sorry, he played in the Angels organization and then mm-hmm. coached at Georgia State as an as the pitching coach when I was still going back in the offseason. So I know Chris. Really yeah, well. you know what I mean. Him and then uh, I'm real good friends with Ryan Vogelsong. I know Vogelsong. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. just because of the fact that I coached travel ball with the Bombers. So uh, Ryan Snare. I almost never have a conversation <laughs> with a baseball player. Where it's like you know this guy's like oh yeah <laughs> never has happened where it's like nope don't know any of those guys. Well, it's, yeah. I mean you're both are well you North Carolina but local growing up mm-hmm. right and he's still now here so well and East Cobb what... baseball is nationwide right. even though it's in very local to I mean I live right next to Sprayberry now and Sprayberry is five A but still not really a powerhouse in terms of baseball mm-hmm. and there's all kinds of other high schools up here along with um uh what is it North Point now is that other yeah, yeah, yeah. Facility yeah. up there yeah. that's not as big as East Cobb, but it's getting there, and so this is a hot spot in right. the country for sure. Right. So yeah. So, man. so Kenny, let me ask you this: Do you have a positive story you can share about networking that's kind of helped you? Positive story about networking. Oh man. Okay, I, I could be positive networking. Right, let's let's go back to Ron Vogel song. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm to the point where I'm good friends enough to call him Vogi, his nickname, and basically. Again, I use my public speaking skills to and my baseball background to talk to Vogie, right? So I'm coaching his son. Um, he played on my 13U team with the Bombers last year. And, you know, he, he spoke to me on the phone when I asked him that he want to play for me because, like, it was my first year with the Bombers. So mm-hmm. I was kind of new to the organization, but a lot of the kids were already on the Bombers, but they was going through transitions as well as far as coaching-wise. So I, I definitely had to win all the parents over. So – I'm talking to Vogie and um he let me know, hey, this is who I used to play for and everything. And I'm like, wait, I'm on the phone with a World Series champion. Like his statue was outside of the mm-hmm. San Francisco Giants like <laughs> stadium. And this man's telling me he trusts my coaching with his son. So I'm like, I right, I gotta make sure I come correct. So I just always I was not doing no star struggle, try to be like buddy buddy type just because of who he is. Mm-hmm. I just kept it honest. Um and I guess my networking and the way I kept it honest with him he felt comfortable enough to come to me about his frustrations with his son because he expects his son to be a certain type of way because mm-hmm. of who he was. And he felt comfortable enough to, you know, talk to me. And I was able to build that that bond with him mm-hmm. and be like, hey, man, it's it's OK. Like, let your son, you know, break out on his own time. He's not mm-hmm. you. Well, just because of that relationship and that networking I did. Now he's spoken to the front office with the San Francisco Giants and they've picked up my resume and wow. there's an opportunity um, in the fall and the off season of 2024 that I can get the outfield coordinator job oh, wow. with awesome. the Giants, awesome. which is one of my goals. So that's cool. that's a positive thing there you for go. me. And that's not usually something that someone just comes right into. Usually right. you got to be in the system and yes. get promoted, even as the coaching part side right. of things. It's very similar. Yeah. yeah, so it's just 
like I said, just for me, just being who I am. That's another thing too about networking. Be mm-hmm. authentic. Yeah. Be your true self. Don't yep. try to be nothing you're not. And then at the end of the day, you know, if that's what God wants for you to happen, you know, that relationship is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, it's, it's not concrete, but the fact that he even thought of me right. to, you know, get, ask for my resume, send it to the front office. And on top of that, they just gave him the job to be the, the special assistant to the GM oh, yeah. for this season. Right. So, right. you know what I mean? But yeah. Well, you just talked about being not being starstruck. Now, look, I'm, I'm going to tell a little story on myself. So one of the things that I did back when I worked for, uh, I won't name the company because it was not a, a, a good thing. But the best thing that came out of it was I got to meet a lot of you guys, <laughs> the former athletes, right? And I maintained those, those relationships. Mm-hmm. And I always tell somebody. Somebody sends me a text or somebody calls me and I look down and it's one of you guys. I'm like, I'm like, well, I seriously like a little kitty candy store. And then I yo, what's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Nathan, what about yeah. you? You, you, you and I do a lot of networking in some of the same mm-hmm. groups, but how about you? What kind of story can you share positive about networking? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of positives that have come out of networking. And a lot of times, again, as I, there was probably a couple of months in between um, the end of my baseball career and the beginning of, I would say my, my real job, my real world job of, uh, you know, sales for an IT company. And, I realized very quickly that even though at first it felt like I was tooting my own horn to stand up and say, Hey, I played professional baseball for seven years. Um, but every time I did that, there was a literally a line of people of four or five people waiting to talk to me after the networking mm-hmm. event. Um, and so finding a way to kind of not try to look like I'm puffing my chest out when I say it, but realizing that that adds a lot of value and it creates a lot of um, credibility for me. And so there's a lot of times where people have come up and it's like, Hey, I know, I know you probably don't do this a lot anymore, but my kid's eight or, you know, he really wants to be a baseball player. Is there anything you can tell him? And then it turns into the, you know, 30 minute conversation of, you know, what's, what sports does he play? How, you know, what team is he on? What are these coaches telling him? All that stuff. And so for me, a lot of the positive is people, again, like you said, they, they see me at a networking event, all they hear me say, they hear me be honest and they can tell I'm being myself. Um, and then they'll come up to me and ask me for my advice on how their kid who, you know, most parents love more than anything in the world how they should approach their sports career and to have that trust is that, I mean, that, that happens quite a bit, which is really great. Um, but I will say that talking to, to people and and having the conversation go from networking kind of into sports a little bit, and then kind of like we're doing right now, eventually it turns into, Hey, do you know this person? Do you know this person? Oh, I know somebody that would I'd be great to connect you with. And so I've gotten some business doing that, which is great. It's not really the, I mean, if my boss is listening, yes, that's the, that's the reason, you know, you want to get business, but you know, I just want to build relationships with people and be able to, to help people however I can. So that's a lot of the positives is really just the little things of kind of going off topic and people being like, Hey, my son's 10 and he wants to get into pitching. I don't really know how to teach him how to throw a curveball. Can you do it? And I'm like, no, I'm not teaching your 10 year old how to throw a curveball. I don't want right. him to hurt his arm. Right. And right. Like you said, I'm not going to lie to you and right. tell you yes, just because I think that's what you want to hear. I was told not to, or I wasn't really allowed to play professional not professional. I wasn't allowed to play organized sports until I was like 10. Um, you know, no t-ball, nothing like that, other than soccer, because soccer at that age isn't really the same thing as it is once you get right. older. Um, and I hated it because I was all my friends were playing those sports, my parents would never let me, and now I get it. And so a lot of those conversations that I have with parents of of athletes now, um, it kind of comes full circle. And so that's where most of the positive um outcomes for me, outside of the obvious, you know, building network or building relationships and having it, you know, grow our business, is just the the questions I get where again. Like Kenny said, people asking for advice on how they should coach and bring up their kid. Right. Um, and it's just, it's really rewarding to help. But like the same thing he said, I, there's only, 
so young with baseball that you can start training and teaching kids. And so there's a fine line. There's a lot of parents that want them to start when they're six because that's what all the East Cobb coaches are saying that you got to start them now and they got to specialize because everybody's specializing now and that's the only way they're going to get. So a lot of those conversations I get, yeah, that you can maybe kind of tell since you're in the room. I'm getting fired up about it a little bit right now because pitching is so much different than other sports and even even playing a position and swinging a baseball bat. Right. Yeah, that's um, what it is. It, it, yeah, and that's and like I said, it's, I I almost am shoot shoot myself in the foot for being too transparent, and too honest sometimes. But when it comes to networking, I, I I refuse to change because that's it's it works, and I feel more comfortable telling people what I truly believe, especially when it comes to again. I'm going to relate it back to the. I hear because I hear it all the time. It's like, oh, curveballs and sliders. How's my kid throw one? Your kid doesn't need to throw. One. Right. <laughs> um, and so that's just being able to really make those parents understand that, hey, this isn't the end of the world. They're eight years old. A lot of that is mostly uh, the positive experiences I have, but they're they're all over the place almost every day when I'm out. You know, all the networking events that I go to and see you at. There's always somebody that you know some kind of conversation um, that's at least a an uplifting conversation, if not, you know, a physical, right. tangible positive that right. comes from it. So well most people everybody's listening, so there's no cameras in here so they can't <laughs> see. But most people probably think you play basketball. Because you're how tall. I do that. I'm six eight. Yeah. yeah so, I get that a lot. I yeah. uh, when he walked in I was like, yeah, he who <laughs> But <laughs> well, it, yeah it, can I want to piggyback real quick uh-huh. though. Go ahead. When you said about uh you know, not trying to pump your chest mm-hmm. when you say you play professional ball. It's very therapeutic to hear somebody say that sometimes they say that's what they did, but not coming from a cocky standpoint. Right. Because I do that a lot. You know what I mean? But for for me, when you like I'm 6'3", 265. Mm-hmm. So clearly I look like an athlete, especially because all I wear is athletic clothing. Right. So the question is going to be asked what it is that I did mm-hmm. or what I do. Um, and I, so I, of course, I would bring that up. And again, sometimes it is, it's a great conversation starter as well. Absolutely. Um, you know what I mean? Like you said, how did people look at you? But there's a lot of people who don't understand that neither. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've been around a lot of people who will be like, oh, why you tell somebody you play this or why you got to let somebody know that? And I was like, honestly, you don't understand. Sometimes, I'm, not, I'm not doing it for people to think how awesome I am. Right. I'm not doing it for people to to tell people how great I am. That's right. Right. And also, you don't understand some type of the conversations that can happen. Like I'd be like, give you real quick. My uh, my 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 wife and I, before we uh, you know, when we were together, uh, we was on a cruise ship, man, back in like 2016, I think, and we did like an eight day cruise. And of course, like I said, I, at that time I was really in shape, you know, walking around with my shirt off mm-hmm. and stuff, right? So it was an older couple, and the guy was like, "Man, what do you do? Like, you play ball or something?" Mm-hmm. And you ask, I'm not going to lie. So mm-hmm. I'm like, "Yeah, so you know, I play pro baseball, or whatever." And um, kid you not, next thing I know, I had a full like bottle of Louis Vuitton. I mean, uh, uh, Louis Louis Thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, it was sent <laughs> to our stateroom, literally. And I was like, where did this come from? Because I'm looking at my bill. Like, I'm not paying for this. <laughs> That's right. Like, so, so, we go, this so we go to dinner later on that night. And him and his wife comes up to me, to us, at the dinner table. He said, you like your gift? I was like, wait, that's from you? He was like, yeah, man. He said, I've never met a pro athlete before. And I love baseball. So I was like, oh, so this is what mm-hmm. that title sometimes have. Mm-hmm. But again, it still opens up other type yeah. of avenues as well to people like, okay, look. What can I do? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even right. if you're not from a sporting standpoint, they want to understand your mentality yeah. and you can give them some mentality things to help them get to the next level that right. what they're trying to achieve. So Absolutely. that's why, yeah, it was just very therapeutic here. You yeah. say like, okay, I say it sometimes and I try not Agreed. to say it like I'm sticking out my chest. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I do it, 
I'm not sticking out my chest, but I'm gonna let you know I worked my yeah, behind right. off oh. of this. So yeah, yeah, I, I throw that well, in there. People, and there's I mean, a, they hear all the time like, oh yeah, it's a grind, and it is. And I mean, high school baseball is probably what people relate it to. And if they play college ball, it's the same thing. They, oh yeah, I played college ball. And it's just college ball is hard too because you have to balance the schedule. But it's just a whole nother beast mentally. Oh, yeah. It's just it's wearing a different so, level. And the same thing when my wife's well, we be in public and someone will ask. I mean, like Brian said, I'm tall, and so. Someone asks, oh, did you play basketball? And I say, no, I played baseball. And it kind of naturally turns to that. It's like, oh, where'd you play? That kind of thing. And then my wife will be like, why'd you have to tell him? Like, well, I know they didn't ask if I played basketball or <laughs> right, baseball. But right, like, right, right. They were looking at me right. like, you played something. Right. So you're not right. getting away from me, you know? So I, yeah, I get it. And the longer, the longer I've been out of the, out of the game, the easier it is for me to, to say it without feeling like I'm but sounding There's cocky. a difference between confident and cocky. Mm-hmm. And I think what, because again, now I grew up around sports, I played in high school. Uh, I went to a private school, so the only thing we had was basketball and volleyball. Believe it or not, we had a guy's volleyball, so that's what I played, and I was manager for the basketball team. Um, but I grew up around sports all my life. I went to Kennesaw State, worked in the athletic department. I was a sports writer for a while, yep. and uh, so I'm just a big, big fan. And and it's I've dealt with guys who play professional sports who had the nose up and said, you know, mm-hmm. they're better than you because they got to that level. And look, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'll I went uh, my buddy Chad Blake. You're welcome, Chad. Angel Auctions. He was doing a silent auction for Marquise Grissom's golf tournament mm-hmm. a few years ago. Okay. Mm. Pete Smith, you know, played for the Braves, came in with a, with a little jersey that was for uh, a nine-year-old boy whose mother had sent him the jersey asking for his autograph, but he knew he was coming to that. So he was trying to get all the other guys that were playing for the golf tournament signed. This little boy had cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm probably going to get shot if he hears this story, but I'm going to say it anyway because it just – they say never meet your your heroes. Mm-hmm. Bo Jackson was there and would not sign the jersey because he said, I'm not here to sign any memorabilia. And he was just, I mean, and he was so rude about it. And I'm like, all the other guys are signing. Yeah, This is for a little boy with cancer. Here's the letter from the mother. He just walked off. And as he's leaving, I tried one more time. He didn't even acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, you know, things like that is just. it. It's hard to see something like that when you're trying to do good in the community and, and. I mean, you guys, I mean, let's face it again. I could only dream about being professional. You guys made it right. Uh, even if you didn't make it to the big, big levels, you still yeah. were there. Yeah. So I think it's awesome that you guys come in here and the majority of the guys that I hang around with and do things with and invite to are the, are you guys that give back to the community and love doing it. I mean, Kevin's event, the, the locker room chat. That was awesome. You know, I mean, it was, there was eight of you there, yeah. but you're talking about knowing about a professional athlete and asking. So, Last January, I take my mom to Kroger. We're in Ackworth. And you know how you cross people up and down the aisles, right, mm-hmm. and everything? And this mm-hmm. gentleman's walking up and down the aisle, and he's massive. Like, he's tall, but he's also built, right? <laughs> and people think I'm crazy when I say this, but we're on the peanut butter aisle. He picks up the massive family jar of peanut butter and sticks it in his cart. And I looked back at my wife and my mom, and I said, he played he played something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get behind him in the checkout line. So I go up to him and my mom and my, and my wife are just shaking their heads mm-hmm. like being you. <laughs> so I said, who'd you play for? He's like, Oh, he said, I played for the Patriots, the Panthers, the chiefs, and then the BC lions. And it's Steven Williams. Right. Mm. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> and then I got him to come to some events too, after meeting yeah. him. Cause I told him what I did and he gave me his number and I'm like, sweet, there's another one. Yeah. Right. No, but it's just kind of cool. Right. Because again, you guys are used to that. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Right. But, yeah. but the fact that he took the time to talk and we're in the check-in outline. So he's 
wanting to get out and everything, but he time it took to me and, and talked about mm-hmm. it. So, um, all right. So I got a couple of, I guess I got a lot of questions. So <laughs> we, we, uh, we talk about life on here as well as business. And, um, well, I'm going to ask a couple of things first. So before we get into that, so, uh, Nate, you talked, uh, you, she spoke at the, uh, morning jolt mm-hmm. and shared a story about, um, adversity and your complete turnaround on the thought. Would you mind mm-hmm. sharing that? Sure. I thought you were going to say something about the Ronald Acuna story. I told you, um, <laughs> no, no. We, well, not unless you want to, no, I'm, it's quick. <laughs> um, no, it was, there was a lot of things throughout, um, my college and professional career that were almost career ending for me and could have been, um, college. I was, I got in trouble over the winter break my freshman year before the season even started. Um, and out of 14 pitchers, I was the 14th one to get an inning that year. I mean, I was lucky to be on the team. Um, but they, they gave me an inning and I think it was the bottom of the eighth against Georgia tech at Georgia tech. And the score was like 16 to nothing. They had scored in every single inning that they had hit in. And so basically it was a Tuesday and they didn't want to waste any of the pitchers that they usually use on the weekends. So they were like, Hey, good luck. Go for it. You know, hopefully you can get out of it. And luckily one or two of them were pinch hitters, but, uh, I got three up, three down and ended up getting a couple more opportunities, um, and played well from there. And then sophomore year had a, something went wrong. I was pitching at Old Miss and was topping out at 80 miles an hour. Um, so took a couple of weeks off and, kind of fought through that. And again, like I mentioned earlier, I was uh, drafted in the 15th round was never really a huge prospect. Obviously, again, if you see me, I'm pretty tall and that was, you know, I was very late developing physically. And so that was all of the people that were looking at me were like, yeah, you know, he's got a good frame. Once he puts weight on, he'll develop. And so that was most of my, uh, my draw when I was in college, but between those two injuries and then got lucky, got a chance to, um, to prove something when I, when I got signed with the angels and then, you know, right as things got going with the Angels, I was throwing a little bit harder. They'd moved me to the end of the bullpen, and then I had uh, an elbow injury that was not – I didn't feel a pop like a lot of the guys that have the full Tommy John surgery feel. So um, they tried a, uh, a PRP injection, which has been known to work on a lot of other parts of the body, joints, muscles, things like that, but not as much on the ligament in the elbow. That's just a very high stress, not a natural motion, and so it's – less successful there. Um, but it was recommended to me and we tried it and ended up not working. Um, hindsight, you know, it's 2020, but still can't look back and say, I would have tried anything different and had my, uh, my Tommy John surgery came back from that. And with a month left in the year, um, was pitching really, really well, throwing upper nineties was consistent, you know, felt as good as I had in my career. I was, you know, six, seven, six, eight, two forty five. I put some weight on, I was really feeling good. And then the next year was COVID. So, you know, I went to, got invited to some big league spring training games, was pitching. That was when Joe Madden was our manager. Um, pitched in a game, you know, threw okay, came out of the game. Joe Madden patted me on the butt and said, hey, we really like you. Keep it up. And the next day is when they sent everybody home for COVID. So they had an off an alternate site that they invited a lot of guys out to that year. Um, I was not one of them, which was a real mental shot. Somewhere in the middle of the year there, I got what I thought was COVID, ended up testing negative, but was, you know, lost 20 pounds. And so... The whole time I was that year, I was working out, trying to stay in shape in case they called me to be ready. And then I physically wasn't ready and getting towards the end of the year. And so even if they did call me, there was no way for me to be ready. And so that was a mental, um, real mind game really. Um, and it was, it just, it always felt like throughout the the eight or nine years of me playing baseball, it was like right when I felt like I got going and got some momentum, something out of my control happened, um, to where I'd have to kind of take a step back and reevaluate and go from there. But 
you know, I've actually heard it a few times lately and may, maybe that's uh, or recently I'll say uh, this quote and um, maybe it's a, a sign, but I, I've heard a few times in the last week, you know, you make plans and you hear God laughing and regardless of what you believe, I mean, you can make plans you can have all this set and have all this lined up to, for what you want to happen, what you think is going to happen. And then one thing can throw it all off the rails. And there was plenty of that that happened during my career. And it's, uh, it was not as quick of a learning process as it should have been, but just instead of saying, Oh, woe is me. And all oh, this isn't going to get to happen anymore. And, and maybe if some of that stuff hadn't happened, then maybe, you know, I would have uh, gone a different route and maybe I'd still be playing baseball. But, um, you know, that's not really something I think about a lot because my, like I'd mentioned earlier, my priorities changed towards the end of my career once I got engaged and, you know, now we have a house and I'm have the flexibility in my schedule to work from home and we have two dogs and two cats and it's, and, and it's a, I love the situation I'm in now, but if I hadn't had a lot of that adversity to kind of keep my, myself in check and keep me my, that perspective, uh, excuse me, that perspective at the front of my mind, then, you know, it could have gone very differently and I could have still been thinking about that. What if, and not focusing on the here and now, and then who knows what could have happened. So there's all kinds of stuff. And I'm sure every athlete has very similar stories. I mean, we heard from, from Kenny earlier. It's uh there's, there's a lot of things that can go wrong and it's just up to you on how you respond right. to them. And so the first couple of times, maybe I didn't do what I should have, but it happens enough. And it's kind of the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So it eventually I got to right. react differently. I got to do something else. I got to make the best out of this. So, well, you shared somebody, somebody said, actually said something to you, right? One of the players. Oh yeah. It was uh well, it was, one of oh are you talking about during my surgery yeah, yeah one of the players was uh, a dominican guy he was a younger guy and there were some guys complaining about you know we're in the we're in arizona and there were some younger guys that weren't there for the same reasons i was there i was you know on a rehab assignment from double a but still in terms of perspective there was this young guy that was really nice spoke a little bit of english and i would talk to him every once in a while and he came up to me one day he's like you know it's really hard to hear these guys in in not as good of english but he's like I, you know i don't like hearing these guys complain about their paychecks and i was like yeah you know, it's, it's frustrating. It could be a lot worse. And he was like, I don't even see my paychecks. I was like, what do you mean? You should definitely be seeing your paychecks. And he's like, well, I, they're sent straight to the Dominican because I don't have a dad. And my mom is home, doesn't have a job. And my sister is young and has health issues. So I'm the provider. He's like, I don't, you know, I have to, some of my friends pick up food for me or the angels will, will be nice and bring in some extra food. He's like, but you know, I don't even know how much I make. And after a good bit of reflection, cause that'll hit you pretty hard when you're right. not expecting it. And right. so just thinking about that and the situation that I'm sure he had to or was in now and not even talking about the situation I'm sure he overcame to be where he was just again that perspective is just if you're not paying attention to it it's easy to miss but if you if you are able to take a step back and see the forest and not just the trees it's uh that adversity actually you know you, people say all the time it's how you respond to it but being able to have perspective I think helps you respond to adversity how you should right. in a way that you know is healthy and not to where you can look back and say, Oh, this should have happened. I mean, every, we're all in sports. We hear the guys that are like, Oh, you know, I would have, I would have gotten drafted right. if it wasn't from, my, I had a, our shortstop that was two years older than me at Georgia state had like a eight ninety fielding percentage wow. as a shortstop. Wow. Won't say his name, <laughs> even though he probably won't be listening. But, um, <laughs> I mean, he, he, after his junior year, he was like, Oh yeah, our head coach took my name off the draft board. I was like, that's not how that works. He can't do that. Right. The Kings right. have to do that. Right. And so, I mean, you hear guys like that say things like that all the time. And it's having talked to some of those guys and having some of the other experiences, it's like, all right, that's enough of a reality check. Like it could be a lot worse. I'm very happy with where I'm at. Don't, don't get to that point. Right. And so yeah. the adversity to me has just added a lot of perspective. Right. 
All right, so since you brought it up, tell us the Ronald Acuna story. <laughs> yeah, so I was uh, I was in the Fall League, which is a um, a league for about a month and a half after the minor league season ends that each organization asks about five or six people to go out and participate in. And there's six teams total, and each team is made up of about five organizations. Um, and so the team that I was on was the Reds, the Yankees, the Mets, the Giants, and us. I think that's everybody. Um, but we were playing the team that had the Braves on it and I was pitching and Acuna comes up and this is before he's in the big leagues. And I knew of him. He's a big prospect. He's a good athlete. And they had played uh, our double a team in the minor league season that year. So I'd heard of him. And so I threw a couple of off speed pitches and trying to get ahead and trying to get him not to swing at one. I didn't want to challenge him early. And so I threw a slider one Oh, tried to get back at, you know, even in the count with another slider, same spot two Oh, I was like, okay, you know, my ball moves a little bit. I'll try to get one, um, you know, middle inside because I'm sure he's looking to extend his arms, and I'll try to maybe get get one back and try to sneak one inside on him since I went two away. And then it started away and ran back over right over, right where you'd ask for it to be if you were hitting batting practice <laughs> in a home run derby. That's where it was. And uh, don't look it up because there's definitely not a video of this on YouTube. Uh, but he makes contact. I throw a fastball. He hits it. And he starts to watch it and kind of puts the bat down a little bit. And I put my head down and say a four-letter word that you probably can't hear, but starts with an F. And then as soon as I turned around to see where the ball was, it was bouncing over the wall. So it got there in about a second flat. And luckily, it was just a ground rule double. Um, but yeah, he was he was the real deal, like everybody had said he was. And then sure enough, the, he was on second base in the very first pitch. Right as I lift my leg, he's three fourths of the way to third base, still third right in front of me. And I was like, all right, I get it. You know, this guy's the real deal. <laughs> everybody, every once in a while, those really big prospects that come through the minor leagues, and everybody's like, oh man, he's the one. You know, his player comp is Mike Trout, and I was like, all right, guys, you can't compare anybody to Mike Trout. And then I saw him throw from the outfield. I saw him run. I saw him hit, and I was like. This guy's like the next Mike Trout. That's right. pretty accurate. Well, what's funny though, Kenny is he he talked about that story and uh, said the same thing about YouTube at the locker room chat. And the little kid comes up to him afterwards, thinking he's going, and he asks him, "Can what's the video again?" Oh, he's like, no. "Can you show me this?" I was like, "Yeah, man, I'll, I'll look it up. Give me a second. I gotta find it. But I'll show it to you." I love it. I love and then it. he just didn't really say anything. And he just kind of looked at me and gave me a high five. I was like, "No one's giving me a high five for that yet." So I'll take it. There you the go. First one. I love yeah. it. I love That's it. That's awesome. Well, talking about adversity, Kenny, you've always been through a lot of it. You talk about your injury and then Eesh. COVID with the with the football into it, but you're still really kind of going through. You just lost your grandfather what a few weeks yeah, ago, and and, and my, uh, you're uh, I mean that's my OG because I I didn't know my dad's my dad's mother passed away when he was 15, and um he didn't know his father. He had a stepfather who passed away way before I was even thought of. So my only grandfather was my mom's parents. Um, and I'm the oldest grandchild on my mother's side. And, you know, they were from New York. So, you know, there was a lot of distance between New York and North Carolina, of course. But, you know, when I wasn't playing summer baseball when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time in New York. So, you know, that, that was my that was my OG, man. Right. You know, that's where I got my swag from. Mm -hmm. You see my pictures with all my Federer yep. hats and whatever. I, I got that from him. So. It was a it was a hard thing uh, losing him um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Well, and you're uh, I mean you're still kind of going through a divorce. So I mean you're you're yeah, you're kind of man. going through all kinds of stuff right now. So just share a little bit about what adversity has I guess taught you. Um, absolutely. It goes back to what you were saying, man. You know, you want to tell God your plans. You know, you want to hear God laugh telling your plans. Mm -hmm. Um, again, I'm not 
big on divorce. Divorce is not an option for me, but sometimes that's just how the cookie crumbles, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, she and I honestly are actually like better. We're like better for each other as best friends. And that mm-hmm. was my best friend before. And again, man, we, we got married. When I was 23, you know what I mean? And she was 30. She was just getting out of her first marriage, you know, and I'm, Still a young buck, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So I had a lot of growing to do uh, within that marriage. So you know, I'm not gonna sit here and say, "Oh, it was just her fault" or point of blame. And I had yeah. a lot of learning to do. I had a lot of growing to do of getting married at such a young age. And again, you know, she had three kids from her first marriage. So I'm playing bonus dad to a two year old, a six year old, and a thirteen year old at the age of 23. So you know, I had to learn how to you know grow up extremely quick, be a man that way. Like I said, we had our baby girl. She's seven now. Okay. We had her in 2017. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, we had a, had a business together. You know, that's extremely successful. Um, and like I said, man, it's just we just started to become two different totally people. I wanted certain things. She wanted certain things. And we just couldn't get it right. You know what I mean? And I can honestly say, too, and a big advice for you, man, especially getting married, just make sure God is at the center of your marriage because he wants you when and that's what i learned now once you stray away from keeping him in the front of your marriage um you know that's where you know the devil come in and start throwing any type of adversity Mm -hmm. and i always used to hear her say i used to always worship her as my god because i did i used to man you 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 know right Mm -hmm. i mean that was that was my that was my love you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying like everybody even stevie wanted to see that (laughs) yeah you know stevie wanted to see man that was that was you know what i mean (laughs) sorry stevie does that took me by surprise (laughs) sorry stevie but i'm just saying (laughs) like every everybody could see that you know what i mean that was truly like that that was my best friend right there man and um you know like i said just to finally get to that point where we had this having this conversation where it's like okay we can't get it right you know what i mean it was very Mm -hmm. detrimental to my mental for a while um, she was just like, look, man, we, we're going to be best friends. We're always going to be in each other's lives. And I wasn't trying to hear that at first. But again, the adversity that we all been through, whatever, it allowed me to mature and to see that. And as well, the kids are now seeing a more healthy interaction between us. So, like I said, I mean, I'm always over there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's my homie. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Y'all aren't sitting here talking behind each other's backs. Yeah, absolutely. Kids, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, she definitely wants me to I mean, she even told our seven-year-old the other day, she was like, because uh, like I said, I have, I have her full time. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Savannah, don't you think you need to let your dad live his life a little bit? Because it's always <laughs> she and I. She mm-hmm. was like, let your dad find love again. You know, I want your dad to be happy. Don't you want your dad to be happy? Awesome. She was like, yeah, I do. So, you know, um, make a long story short now, mm-hmm. once I heard that and she gave my daughter that briefing and I heard my daughter's voice, she mm-hmm. was like, okay, yeah, I'm cool with it. So, you know, now I'm out there on the limb now, you know, met somebody, yeah, yeah. you know there what I mean? So uh, it's just a, it's a beautiful thing, man. But like I said, just adversity. I, 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 I'm, I love it. I, I feel like you have to embrace it. You have to embrace adversity. Yeah. Um, and if anything, you talk about adversity, man, I always look at my father. And like I say, even my mom, my dad's, uh, my mother's dad, um, you know, being an African-American, owning a business in, in Brooklyn at that where he was at, it was a hard thing. He had seven cleaners in Brooklyn back in the day, yeah. you know, going through, you know, the, the segregation times and everything and, you know, the lack of equality, man. It was a very, you know, very rough thing for him. I didn't hear too much about it. More so, uh, I heard a lot about my dad's upbringing. You know, my dad, like I said, my dad, not knowing his father um losing he's the baby of my my my, my aunts and uncles 
you know, being in the room, seeing my grandmother, you know, flat on the floor, like passed away. He he mm-hmm. witnessed that. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest uncle, who I never got to meet, uh, my uncle Harold, he was the oldest. Um, and he's actually my motivation for baseball. He got drafted to play for the athletics. Okay. Um, as a catcher. But what happened was, um, I think my dad was telling me that my uncle's uh, female at the time had my uncle side up and killed. So he never got to go play. And my dad was a kid and was in the other room and witnessed everything happen. Um, you know, my dad told me stories about how, you know, I said, we from a small countryside. So it was a lot of country where I'm from. Um, so there was a couple of prisoners that basically broke out of prison and they came to my, my dad's house at the time when my my grandmother was still living and basically broke into the mm. house, had them like hostage and everything. Wow. To where my dad and uncles used to have to like eat rabbits and birds and stuff to like kind of survive. And what happened was when they tried to find to make their move, they tried to steal my, uh, my dad's stepfather's truck and it stormed extremely bad and it was a dirt road. So the truck ended up getting stuck. Mm-hmm. So that's when the law enforcement finally okay. found them and everything. So dad and, Shoot, my dad had colon cancer in 2005. My dad's fought in two wars. You know what I mean? Jeez. He's been through PTSD. Um, I, mean, I even witnessed my mom literally packed up me and her stuff because mm-hmm. my dad's PTSD and the medications that the, the military had him on was so bad yeah. to where she was about to leave. So just seeing my dad just go through all the adversity as a man, you know, and just, I always used to hear him say, I didn't name you after me for nothing. You know what I mean? Sometimes mm-hmm. I wish I didn't name you after me because you wouldn't be going through adversity. So he feels like it's a curse that I, he named me after him. So just seeing him going through all the adversity that he went through as a man, um, just kind of was like, you know what? Look at my dad now. You know, he's went through everything. He's 65 years old, looking like he's still in his 50s. You know what I mean? He's gotten every car he wants now. You know, him and my mother doing good. He's got some grand, you know, some grandkids. And it's like, man. Everything that my dad go through, look at the character that he is now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like for me, the adversity that I've been through from being hurt, you know, going through divorce right now, um, being married so young. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That was that's a whole different story. Right. Yeah. Being married so young, taking care yep. of somebody else's kids mm-hmm. that's not yours. And you're dealing with the bitter father that's still in the picture. You know what I mean? That's a lot. As, for, at that age. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot for somebody 23, 24 years old. Um, so like I said, I feel like adversity is, is, is a great character building and it, and it build the character that I am now. And that's why I walk out, I walk with my chest out, not because of what I did, not because of what I played, but I walk with my chest out just because of the fact that the adversity that I faced. And I know that God's brought me through all of that. So it's like when somebody try to judge me as a character or mm-hmm. try to, you know, judge mm-hmm. my character is like, you can't tell me nothing about right. being a man. Cause you yeah. don't know, you don't know what I've been through. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we'll come back in a second. I am going to mention though, March 21st, I need to get you to well, watch both of you there, but I'm, we're hosting a, uh, first annual America's hometown heroes expo in Ackworth. And it's okay. for veteran owned, first responder owned businesses. And a portion of the proceeds are going to the Outer Circle Foundation, which is a nonprofit based in Dallas, Georgia that works with veterans and first responders on PTSD and suicide prevention. Mm. Um, yeah. the, and the gentleman that runs it, Matt Payne, Matt and Buffy, you're welcome. Shout out for you. Um, He's a 16 year Air Force vet combat specialist as well as a retired police chief out of New Jersey. So, and he suffers so. So, well, we're going to come back to this in just a second. So I got a couple of questions and there's a lot to talk about. We don't have time, but I do want to ask a couple of questions, um, for you. So, so Nathan, I'm going to come to you for a second. 
share a little bit of the experience on what it's like, the differences, I guess you would say. I wanted to ask you this at the locker room chat, but we didn't mm-hmm. get to it. I might ask this year, but can you share a difference uh, of the experience of a difference between traveling around the minors in the in, the, in America and mm-hmm. then playing pro in Mexico? What kind of oh. – share a little bit about that difference. Yeah, it was uh, – well, first of all, the obvious difference is – I mean, the cultural difference between English and Spanish is one thing. And then the thing about the Mexican League is that there's teams like Tijuana, where I don't know if any, any of you all have seen videos of the games in Tijuana – but it's they're they're called like the Yankees of the Mexican League because they make the most money. But they have like six mascots at every game. Wow, like four are on the field in foul territory while the games are going on and pitches are being thrown and music is being played. It's just a totally different environment. Um, but yeah, I mean the traveling around the I pl- I got very lucky that the only place I haven't played baseball in America is the Pacific Northwest. So I mean I've gotten to go to Big Sky Country, Southern California, Northern California, Arizona. Texas Southeast obviously played up in uh, Maine and all that for the first year of college ball and uh, one of the summer college leagues I played in was the NECBL so been very fortunate to travel a lot but it's uh yeah in the minor leagues it's still a kind of a hybrid in between like a you're on your own and like a college situation where it's very structured and everybody's telling you what you have to do all the time um and in Mexico it's like we're not going to tell you what to do if you don't do it you're just gone I mean, and that's to an extent, that's kind of how it is in the minor leagues, but there's a little bit more of a safety net, like, hey, get it together. This is, I mean, don't be late, all that stuff. There's no warnings right. in Mexico. If you're late, you don't pitch well. I mean, I showed up. I, that was the only time in my career I've been released, and I deserved it. I wasn't pitching well at all. I wasn't wasn't throwing strikes. Um, but they also have a, a certain amount of American-born players or foreign-born players that are allowed to be on the team. Um, and there's, obviously, there's not a whole lot of... Uh, Mexican people that are six foot eight. I'm not saying there's none, but it's less likely that there's any <laughs> right. Hispanic heritage or Mexican right. heritage in me with my height. But um, you can only have so many, and so they're on an even shorter leash. Like if you're not performing, they got to get those spots filled with people that are, you know, they know what they're doing. And I played with uh, Addison Russell, Pablo Sandoval was on that team, Josh Reddick, uh, Carlos Martinez with the Cardinals. I mean, it was a big, big names on the team, which I wasn't expecting when I went down there. Um, and even there was a guy, you remember the guy for the athletics that took the knee during the national anthem, the first yeah, one yeah, 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 he's yeah. down there. Okay. That dude is big. He's like your height. Uh-huh. He's maybe two ninety. He has the biggest hands I've ever seen. This dude, I mean, physical specimen. Anyways, I'm getting off track. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the traveling is a lot different. I mean, it's still bus rides really. I mean, you get to triple A, then you start flying just because the leagues are so big, but, um, the bus rides are, are in the minor leagues and in the Mexican league, but the, um, the, the I'll say the I'm trying not to get myself in trouble here, but the uh, precautions and the parameters on which the trainer ad- or, or the, what the trainer adheres to what he is allowed to and not allowed to do is different. I'll say in Mexico versus uh, the minor leagues. And that was a bit of an eye opener, even, you know, as little as I was down there. I mean, you just, again, it's a little bit of kind of a, a downhill flow from just the, being Mexico versus the United States. I mean, you go into, you can get Xanax and a bunch of different pills just from the uh, pharmacies down there. I mean, they're over the counter. So there's just a lot of a, what seems like a big deal in America is not in Mexico. Um, But there's, I I would say 90% of it was just the cultural difference. And it was a bit of a shock. I mean, I speak enough Spanish to get by to tell people I'm learning and then I, you know, I can hold a conversation. I was just fine down there, but it's, it was a it was a still a cultural shock even though I was kind of expecting it. But what was the a, locker rooms like? Different, I'm sure, even in the minor leagues. Yeah, they were. I mean, there's a lot of cards, which is in the minor leagues too. There's a lot of very, a lot of similarities. Um, 
but it was it was a little bit different just because I mean I had never been in a locker room with that many big names in the big leagues. I mean there was what three World Series champions in that locker at any point. Um, obviously Pablo Sandoval, Kung Fu Panda being the big one. Um, but the amount of talent that was in the room, I just feel like there was a lot more in-depth conversations when it would, I mean, locker room conversations, they're very rarely about baseball or the sport you're playing. Um, but I feel like there was a lot more intentional and very fine tuned, uh, things to pick up from the baseball side was the biggest difference just cause I mean, a locker room, you're sitting around changing, waiting around for BP or for the game to start. So there's only so, th- so many things you can do. Um, when you're waiting around like that, but yeah, I would say the the actual sports conversations were very lots of nuggets to be picked up from guys right. like that for sure. Kenny, you shared a little bit, but let me ask you, what's it like the difference between going from baseball and playing arena football? Very curious. <laughs> oh man, um, it's very different, very different. Um, again, for me with arena football, it's now it's more physical. You know what I'm saying? It's like okay, it's because like I said, I play DN defensive end so it's like and in, in an arena ball the office alignment are like six eight six nine four hundred pound plus that's not yeah. as big of a field i feel like you don't gotta move they don't gotta move as much right and that's the thing mm-hmm. too it's it's different from outside football because with outside football the defensive end he can have time to do six seven eight moves you know what i mean to try to get around that 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 the offensive lineman and in arena ball you got like two and a half seconds um, literally because it's a 50 yard field you know what i mean so you got literally two and a half seconds so if you're not at least have your foot you know what i mean past that offensive lineman foot as you about to cut that corner within at least one yeah. and a half two seconds that's it because the pocket collapsed so quickly you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and again that was just different uh especially with arena ball because now you know you're playing on turf but the turf that I played in in baseball is different from this type of turf that you're playing on arena ball. Um, the fans, it, everything's closer to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you never, if you ever been to a hockey game or whatever, it's kind of like that. With step for there's no guard, right. Right. there's no, 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 you know, whatever the, the clear <laughs> yeah, thing yeah. right there, right? So arena ball, like when you hit somebody into the wall, you know what I mean? You got fans, <laughs> you're like the fans. you on top right. of the head, like hitting you on the helmet because they're so into it. And I didn't realize how many arena football fans there are in this in this world like in, in the united states i mean for instance we're playing against the jacksonville sharks okay what else in jacksonville is there jacksonville jaguars mm-hmm. so at that time um like said, so my ex-wife she was sitting in the stands and she sat beside a guy who said that they have season tickets for the jacksonville sharks they don't give a rat's behind about the jaguars i mean that's the track right, <laughs> right. no offense <laughs> but the no but that's a good example but it's yeah. like they care more about the jacksonville sharks mm-hmm. and like i said the environment um you know the music during the games like i said this the crowd engagement the player engagement with the crowds how fun it is um and just learning the rules of arena football like i said there's three linemen three on offense three on defense Right. And the reason why the scoring is so high, it's really a, a receiver DB game because mm-hmm. you got that one. Re- like it, yeah. You got that one receiver in motion. And that's when the quarterback heights the ball. Once that receiver hits that line of scrimmage, that's when the quarterback heights the ball. You know what I mean? So now you got that receiver, you know, it's one on one, you know, and if you're not a good defensive back, you're not a good defensive player. You're going to get schooled. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um I feel it's, like that timing makes a difference too. Like since you can kind of time as a defensive player, you can kind of time that receiver because if you jump when he's about to cross the line, either he's offside, right, I mean right. he's going to beat you. So I and, feel like that's a different. What strategy. helped me honestly was being a baseball player, the hand now coordination. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? Seeing 90-something plus miles an hour. You know what I mean? Being able to hit that. Not all the time, but, you know, being able to touch Getting it. Getting ready to hit it. Right. The whole thing. So it's kind of <laughs> like, and my trainer, who I was training when I was living in Loganville, his name is George Heron. Shout out to Body by George. He's the one who actually encouraged me to do football. He was a football. He went to Auburn and played. He played with Bo Jackson at wow. Auburn. So, you know, George encouraged me to do football. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Kenny, you got to understand, man, when a defensive guy that big throws his, shoots his hand out at you, and you're so used to reacting to a 90-plus mile-an-hour fastball, like your fast twitch muscles are going to, like, help you in this game. Yeah, you didn't realize that you've been training them the whole time you've been playing right, baseball. Yeah. Right, so it's like now when I'm training, even when I was in Tampa and I'm training, right, and then when I actually see the offensive lineman shoot his hands out at me, now I'm learning the swim moves, whatever, mm-hmm. but with my hand-and-eye coordination and, and the twitching, the Let's fast twitch, it's like, oh, man, this ain't nothing. Yeah. Really? That learning curve is this big. Right. Yeah. Oh, you about yeah. to shoot him? Cool. Thank you. You know yeah. what I mean? It was it was different. But I wanted to pick you, too, when you say you played in Mexico, mm-hmm. you know, by me being in Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. Different. So that and that's another reason why Voga Song and I are real tight because he played in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Oh, and right, see, just your reaction. Yeah, you're not supposed to be playing down there, right? <laughs> you know, he was like, and he said, Kenny, the fact that you played in DR is like it's very therapeutic to me because nobody, I can't talk to anybody about playing in Venezuela. It. They don't get it. Yeah. And like he said, man, oh shoot, man, we like I said, I, of course I'm older than you, so this was 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. when I was down there. So the mascots. You know what I mean? The cheerleaders on top of the dugouts. Mm-hmm. And that was so hard for me being 20, 21 years old, finding out we can't talk to the cheerleaders. And I'm looking <laughs> at each other like, what? You, what do you mean we can't talk mm-hmm. to them? Yeah, you talk to them if you want to. You might have a finger missing. You know what I mean? Um, like you said, the, the structure. <laughs> the, on the top of the dugout, like, oh, yeah. Like, literally, <laughs> like they're literally like. <laughs> and, and again, like I went to a black, I went to an HBCU, North Carolina A and T. So you hear about, you probably see me post it. Mm-hmm. Like GHO stands for Greatest Homecoming on Earth. That's our, that's our hashtag. Okay. So it was literally like a black college homecoming every single game. So when you haven't, and again, when I played, I played winter league there too for mm-hmm. let's say Tigres, and that's in Santo Domingo. That's the, that's the capital. capital yeah. So I'm playing with that time. That's Hanley Ramirez. Um, Miguel Tejada. And a lot, yeah, a lot of the big names that are Dominican, they'll play down there year round. They'll so play down there year round. And that's what I loved about it. That's why I tell people if you can play over there and keep up with them, mm-hmm. man, you can come over to the States and kill because it's a lot of big name players who just love, they love DR so much. They don't care about coming to America. You know what I mean? And like you said, being able to get stuff right over the counter that easy over there the structure you're on your own type thing it was a it was a very different issue i faced the rawness chapman over there i didn't say i was successful (laughs) i just said i I mean you heard me talk about acuna like like, literally i get over there and that's before he was a big guy Mm -hmm. he was big in who he was and basketball is big in dominican republic too especially in santiago because santiago and santo domingo are two capitals and whatever. So Santiago, their basketball is real big. So I'm seeing Chapman. At the time I got there, and we're in this regular random field with goats in the outfield. I play center field, so there's goats in the outfield. Okay, we had this rent, and this is before the season began. They got us, especially the American players. They got us used to it, right? Used to the culture. So we was playing pickup baseball. You know, you play pickup basketball. Mm-hmm. It's pickup baseball, but they always had three umpires. 
It can have no fence, nothing, whatever. But there was always three umpires, and you always saw kids laughing. It was better than most minor league crews. Now. Right, you know what I mean? Well, the and goats you, were the field crew. I mean, come on. Right. Tell you, uh, Still better than most umpire <laughs> crews. So, and the thing is, when we get there, you have these little kids practicing, training, whatever. And I tell you, striking out was very embarrassing. Because once you strike out, you got these kids laughing at you. As you walk back to the dugout. They remember you the next time you come up. And they remember you the next time because they're like, man, we can do this. And we're eight years old, 15 years old. <laughs> and they're probably right. <laughs> and too, they're honestly. right. <laughs> and so I just remember, man, They, uh, I get there. This is my very first day. And um, I mean, his name was Pierre DeVars. He picked me up from the airport. And I was like, man, you got some Gatorade or something? I'm thirsty. I just came from, you know, from North Carolina, man. And he's like, I got you, Poppy. I got you. <laughs> and then it was a culture shock because I didn't know everything was pesos. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we stop at the gas station. This man is full of pesos. Yeah, yeah, the guy's filling up the, the limo and it's like $175, right? And I didn't know it was pesos. So I'm looking, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and then I'm watching this phenomenon go. I didn't know it was in kilometers. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, do y'all not see this man going 130 miles an hour? <laughs> I'm sitting in the backlight and everybody just, man, this thing's smooth going 130. <laughs> and I'm kind of nervous. So when we get to the field, man, and Chapman is standing off to the side, he just in some shorts and a shirt. I'm like, man, that's a, he play basketball. He got to mm-hmm. be, right? So they was like, Kenny, you're going to lead off, man. I'm, you're not playing the field. You're going to lead off today. And I'm like, all right, cool. So mind you, I haven't met all the team. You mind you, right? So they just got me from that from that workout. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of American players. I'm introducing myself, talking to the Dominican guy, speak no Spanish at this time. So I'm, okay, see, <laughs> yeah. right? Okay. So next thing you know, man, I'm leading off. I got my back turned towards the dugout, just talking, whatever. And then I hear, pow. I turn around, it's Chapman on the mound now in baseball clothing. Yeah, he's got that big he, yes, turn in his whole body Yes, Lord. Thing. And mind you, this is before it was extremely developed, mm-hmm. right? So oh. just imagine how wild and scarier it was looking then. So I get up there, and the very first pitch, I see it, and I don't see it. By the time I got myself <laughs> it, set, yeah. the ball was already in the mitt. And I was like, okay, but it was a ball. He did the next three like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So I got three old count, right? Oh, I'm like, all right, here we go. He threw the same exact pitches right down the pipe. The next three one, I swung and missed, struck out. Wow. And I was like, different. Yeah, man. It's 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 right. a it's a different ball game. Well, and like you said, most people are like, oh, you go into the Dominican in the offseason, you just need to get some work in. And it's like, no, you can get you get paid pretty well down there, and there's really good competition. Cause I know pools for a long time will go down there. I mean, again, guys from the Dominican would just in the offseason, right. they don't like to take time off. They play baseball because they love the sport. And so yeah. when everybody sends them home, they're like, All right, we're gonna go play more baseball. So even doesn't matter if you're big leaguer, World Series champion, minor leaguer, everybody, you know, when right. you're there, that's why they have those big right. And they take it serious because mm-hmm. you represent now you represent where you're from. So just yeah, to be from an American, American descent, and I'm yeah. playing for let's say Tigres, and I'm with that's where Vladimir Guerrero, mm-hmm. and I mean that's Sammy Sosa, yeah. Manny Ramirez, that's a big yeah, thing over there. Right. And the yeah. the loyalty and the country loyalty is way different than it is in America. Right. Doesn't matter where you're from, whether you're Mexican born, Dominican born, it's yeah, it's, it's patriotism. Right. Yeah, it's different than it is here. Yeah. Well, I, we could go on all day. I do have a couple of questions for we because I'm seriously acting, but I know sorry, you guys. I know we're doing the same thing. Yeah, right, I know you guys got to go somewhere. Okay. So, was, but I do want to ask this. Well, it's going to wind up being uh, two questions, and then we got three more after that that we'll try yeah, to make this quick. Mm-hmm. The and the sport of the business of sport. Let's be honest; mm-hmm. it's a business, so yeah, multi billion dollar business. Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> I'm curious on you guys' takes being. Um, Former college athletes, former pro athletes, 
to me, the college game has gotten ruined. I'm not necessarily think the NIL, but the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Now, football, obviously, you didn't play the college football, but I could still could see it. You know, you got these teams that went to the bowl games. These guys started transferring in and out. What are your guys' take on the NIL and the, the transfer portal? And NIL now in the state of Georgia, the high school athletes get it, which to me is just insane. So, uh, Kenny, what about you? What, what's your what's your initial thoughts on? Them? Honestly, man, I'm 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 on both fences, both sides. Because um, for one, think about it: if you are a player who's playing at these power five schools, you know what I mean, and you're extremely successful, you generate a lot of money, a right? lot right. of money. You know what I'm saying? Especially and, in football, basketball, baseball, right? Sports, Especially yeah. if your jersey is being sold in stores. You know what I mean? And then you have nothing. Like, you can't do anything right. about it. You know what I mean? And you're still sitting you here eating from it. oodles and noodles, mm-hmm. right? And you're sitting here generating all of this. Like, I, I, I feel that. You know what I mean? Because And then also, you know, even if you do have some type of conversation or sign something for somebody, now it's kind of like it can be detrimental to your mm-hmm. career as a college athlete and also going to the next uh, going to the next level. And then on the other side of it, it now it's kind of like, think you think about it, uh, you know, the, the girl that plays for LSU. Um, oh yeah, Reese, yeah, right. Yeah, Reese. like if she doesn't go to the NBA from a financial standpoint, it's not really going to bother her. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I feel like too that can start killing the passion and the drive and the heart and the grit of an athlete um, to really take the game serious. And one thing I tell my travel ball kids that I coach, like I'm not going to allow you to disrespect the game that I love so much and really that took care of my family for a while. Mm-hmm. And I busted my hind and went through adversity to get to. But now it's like if you're – now you're saying at the high school level, and like now it's like these kids, they just going to go for the money. And That's I just the thing. Kinda, They've taken the passion away, and like you said, and the love of the game is gone. Yeah, absolutely. I see that. There's no incentive for it, right. at least. It's right. like, oh, all right, I'm good at this. All right, I'll go be good in college and make millions of dollars, and who cares if I go pro? Well, and, and you talk about, I mean, Michaela Williams, you know, the quarterback mm-hmm. USC, has come out and said, now, first of all, he's, to me, he's not that good of a quarterback. He's proved that this year. Well, he, but, he spoke too soon. Yes, but he's, soon, he's demanded that whoever drafts him, he becomes part owner. And then I'm sorry. four games after yeah, that. exactly. But either way. Right. Nathan, what are your thoughts? Well, obviously, I'm sitting here shaking my head a bunch. I've... I, I I agree. I think there's a way to do it, and I'm on both sides of the fence. I mean, yes, beforehand, uh, being a college athlete, I mean, I, it'd be easy for me to be like, oh, it'd be nice if the NIL was there when I was in school. But again, I wasn't a huge enough prospect, and I wasn't at a big power conference where I would have gotten anything different, really. Um, but for the people that oh, – high school is way too soon. Uh, right. That's ridiculous right. in my opinion. But, I mean, in college, like you said, there's once you get to college, there's no incentive to try to go to the next level – because you're getting paid just fine if you're a good enough athlete at a big conference, big school, in a decent sport here. So why not stay for four years and get paid? Because it's safer that than to take a risk after the first year, even if that's statistically and you know in the past, if that would be the best time for you to leave, let's say football, after your freshman year. Now, why not stay four years? Because, yeah, there's some money that's guaranteed, but you might get injured. You never know. I mean, even before the end of the season, you could right. something could happen. So. It's guaranteed. It's almost like that's great to get to the point where you can sign a contract that gives you guaranteed money right. in the sport, but you get guaranteed money in college now. So it's really taking away from the incentive, right. like you said, to to grind and to push to the next level. But, don't but you I think- do think there's some compensation. I think there's a middle ground. I don't think millions of dollars right. in these – and I think it'll all sort itself out. I think it'll kind of, just like most things do, it'll kind of settle somewhere in the middle. 
Um, but they do need to be compensated, especially at the big schools where they are making the school money, the institution money, which is most right, of absolutely. the conversations we're having. Um, but I don't think immediately allowing them to sign all kinds of endorsement deals and make millions of dollars right. is the answer. Right. I think there's a way to do it, but again, it'll sort itself and, out. And I do agree that, you know, obviously if they're making the school money, they should get some, but you know, most of these kids are getting the full ride. They're getting a scholarship. They're getting paid to the school. They're mm-hmm. getting their, the meals paid, the books and all yep. that. But you add now that on top of it. And again, you're just diluting what the lot. So I agree. let's touch just real quick on a transfer portal. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I I don't really have that big of an issue with it. I, I think kind of the same thing. There's pros and cons to it, but I just with guys like Dabo Sweeney that refuse to use it, I'm like, hey, whether you agree with it or not is one thing, but you're shooting yourself in the foot by not using it. And I get it if it's for a moral or you know, you don't agree with it and you're protesting it for the lack of a better phrase. If that's why you're doing it, then that's fine. But don't sit here and complain about not getting good players. And that's the reason because you have the tool right. just like everybody else. It's whether you agree with it or right. not, again, whole nother thing, but everybody I, can use it. So. And I can, I see where I think it's gotten its detrimental more to football than some of the other sports. What about you, Kenny? Uh, I, I feel the same as that way for me. I see a lot of players too. Um, some of them do it from being from a spoiled standpoint. Because yeah, they don't they don't play like they thought they were going to play. Right, because and you know what I mean, and and I hear a lot of talks about baseball, not just because I'm in travel baseball, mm-hmm. and which is a whole another different ball game. But I hear it a lot now, um, where you know even coaching travel ball right now, you know you got these kids, man, who've been praised so much coming up from like a young age to up into you know high school, whatever, and then it's almost kind of like you know they get recruited to the school, and now things aren't going their way. You know, not not even because of the program is not good, maybe just because they're facing adversity. Mm-hmm. And instead of them, you know, putting 10 toes down and really like owning and, and embracing that adversity, mm-hmm. they feel like, OK, hey, look, well, I struggled here for whatever reason. So now I'm going to go transfer to another program because I feel like that that program is going to, you know, stroke that ego. Well, and the I coaches need. that they're going to transfer to are telling them the same thing that the coach it, they were right, at. It, I could not right. agree with what you Yeah, saying. you know what I mean? So I feel like it's, like I said, I'm on the fence with that as well. Like, for for if you're really not getting what you need, think you feel like you need out of it as an athlete at that program, then I get it. You know what I mean? But then, like, again – you know, then you got some players, man, they're just, they're trying to chase, they're trying to chase a ring. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to chase a stat. And again, I go back to travel baseball. You got parents who will be, you know, like not to call a parent. I got a parent who called me the other day and was like, hey, um, cause I coach the A teams with the Bombers. So that's the best teams. And I had a parent call me and say, hey, man, you know, I know my player may not play on your team, but I want him to play on your team just to say he played on the A team. And it's like, but your son is starting every single day with the B team and we're playing in the same competition. We're playing in the same tournaments. So are you more concerned about the name or are you more concerned about the development son part for your son? And I, right. And I see that in the transfer portal too. I see a lot of players now was like, okay, for instance, coach prime, you know, when coach prime lived Jackson state, how many players go to the transfer program? He get to win Colorado. Right. And then, yeah, they started off good, but then look what happened. Right. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's, yeah, it's, it's, well, you talked about the parents. My my dad, uh, when I was really young, he was an umpire for this was little league, little mm-hmm. little league, and he lasted one season and he stopped parents. because of the parents. That's why I I coached two weekends, coached a travel team uh, ninth inning down in Chambly. I coached two two weekends of in the fall, and I was like, I can't do it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, and I, I you 
absolutely agree with you saying that travel has put this this thought into whether it's the kids or the parents like okay well if i'm not playing and i want to play i can just go to a different team until i find one that'll let me play yeah and that's i think that's what they're trying to do in the transfer portal is like well people have been telling me since i'm seven that i'm the best so right. why would i not be and right. every time i've heard a kid say that i was like you know what chase smith best player was recruited by every school in georgia played at home plate where i played on the big name travel team when i was a freshman sophomore and i didn't play with him junior or senior year play with a different team that let me play both positions and that was fine but i was like you know what chase is doing now they're like what and i was like i don't know didn't even know where he went to school i don't right. even think he went to college it's like what you do in your sophomore year or even most of the time in high school really in the grand scheme of things means nothing right absolutely really yep. doesn't mean anything but absolutely. i think a lot of the putting a lot of the the stress on succeeding and being on a big name team and being the shortstop or the center fielder, or the lead off three hole, whatever. And I think a lot of that, the them thinking that's the most important thing in travel ball and in high school, I think that's also going into college right. and the transfer portal and to make like, well, I did it in school and it worked, or I did it in high school and it worked. Well, I'll transfer to USC now and then I'll right. be a USC quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Using that as college is that college is a different grind, man. It's you know what I mean. Like you say, even at pro ball, I was talking to a guy the other day and. It's like, okay, when you get to the pro level, especially as a position player, mm-hmm. right? Like I was a center fielder. So it's kind of like, clearly, you are a center fielder. You're good enough to be at this level, but there are other guys in the same organization mm-hmm. as you that plays the same position. So now the thing is, okay, you are a center fielder for the San Francisco Giants, right? You're in the center fielder for the San Francisco Giants organization, but now what are you? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Is, is are there a lot of center fielders in front of you? Are there less right fielders? Is maybe moving to right since you have a good arm? Maybe is that a right path? Right. Or, I mean, there's like, all kinds of what stuff. separates you now. Oh, you run a six five. He runs a six five. Right. You hit twenty bombs. He hits twenty bombs. You know what I'm saying? What makes you different? Well, now you got the universal DH. That's a whole other topic. We all, to. right. I just think it needs so. to be even. Whatever it is, it's fine. Just <laughs> hey, both. <laughs> as a pitcher. DH. Right. Hey, look, I'm just, not going to lie. If I could DH and not worry about, because when I got hurt, they moved me to first base. Okay. Mm. Hot corner. Come on now. Right. right. If, if you could just be like, hey, man, just if DH. It was, if it was just taking the throws and picking, I'd be great. Oh, my I'd God. Yeah. All, dude, I'm great. <laughs> you hit a top, a big lefty hits a top spinner at me. I'm yeah. moving out of the way. Think about Big Poppy mm-hmm. hitting you a hot shot at first base. But Nathan, right? you're so tall, you you could be able to get it. Well, I'm so skinny. <laughs> it's going to go right by me. I don't have any whip, you know? All right, real quick, because I know we're going to, again, I could talk all day. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, so I'd like for you to guys, this is a two part question to give some advice. And I know I don't want to rush you on the advice, but if somebody's listening that either A has a child playing sports, uh, or B that are wrapping up their career, whatever the case may be, it's a two part question. I like for you guys to give advice on dealing with, uh, your mental health because you guys mm. go through a lot. Of, I mean, people, mm-hmm. I don't think people realize athletes have a lot of mental health challenges mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because of the disappointments and whatever. But then also it give advice from transitioning from playing pro ball into getting back into society and doing a career. Yeah. So Nathan, I'll start with you. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the, on the mental side of things, it's have, have an outlet, whatever that is, is fine. But just remember that whatever sport you're playing, it's not the only thing in the world. I mean, I played multiple sports, which was great. I loved going and ha- playing tennis and soccer and messing around and doing all kinds of things. So I never got burnt out on baseball. Um, so I never, in high school at least, uh, in college, I never really had that um, that dreading it or really hitting a wall or really having that mental frustration. But there was plenty of that 
um, when I got to Pro Bowl. And I think the biggest thing for me that helped me do that was even then there's 12 months of me, 18 months actually, of me going into a facility for a few hours in the morning and then going back to the same apartment with three other guys every night. And it's like, this is all I'm doing all day. I have to find something else to keep my mind off of it or else all I'm going to sit there is this downward spiral of, you know, I'm not healthy. Am I doing everything I can to get healthy? What if it doesn't work? And then your mind starts to go off on all these tangents that can really be detrimental and destructive really in a, right. from a mental standpoint. And it's, so I would say the one thing is have an outlet, whatever that is. It can be, you know, another sport. It can be an art or a craft or playing video games, whatever, going and hanging out with people. That's fine. But you have to be able to disconnect from the sport you're playing and, and be able to not take yourself too seriously. Um, and that's, that, it actually ends up going a long way for the player. Um, and, and as a parent, I guess, just understand that because of a lot of the advice that people are getting now is you got to start them young. You got to, like I said earlier, you got to play baseball young. It's specializing is not that big of a deal as everybody says it is the travel coaches and the high school coaches. Yeah, they all say it. And even sometimes in college, the first thing that they said to me when I got to pro while we were taking PFPs on the mound and I, you know, fielded a bunt down the third baseline, planted my foot and threw the, the, you know, ghost runner, whatever you call it out at first. And immediately one of the coaches looked at me and said, you played more than one sport, didn't you? I was like, yeah, I played basketball. And they're like, yeah, it's really obvious. We, we try to promote people playing more than one sport that cross athleticism. It helps for whatever sport you're focusing on. But it's like I said, it's just all these, the parents and some of the travel coaches saying, you got to focus on baseball. You can't, you don't have time for basketball. I mean, even when I was in high school, both of the sports were telling me I needed to quit the other one or else I wasn't going to have a future in it. And it's just, it hurts my heart to hear that because the kid that really wants to play is the one that's starting to have all these negative thoughts. And it's like, maybe I'm putting pressure on myself that, you know, I, I got to do really well because all of this stuff that my parents are doing for me and they want me to succeed. And it's just, it can be really, really destructive. So that's what I would say from a, um, a sports side of things. And then from getting into the, honestly, it's kind of the same advice from going from a, the, pro sports world or the the sports world into the like I said the real job it's just after you know I, I still have that competitive nature and I really I like to compete but I can get that other places you know I play golf I play men's league basketball sometimes and so I I have that outlet but just remembering that the sport that you're playing is not the end of the world there's other things out there and there's other things that you need to go enjoy and invest your time in and completely disconnect from the sport you're playing and um, to a bigger extent it's harder to do after the after you retire, but I was very lucky that I had a very soft landing spot. Like I said, a, a house and a fiance now wife with a bunch of animals. And that was where my priorities were when I retired. So it wasn't as hard for me um, as I, as I've heard that it can be for other people. But either way, I would say the the best advice is just have somewhere to go, whether it's somewhere mentally or something to do that you can just disconnect and enjoy something. And it doesn't have to be all the stress and pressure of whatever sport it is you're trying to succeed at. Kenny. Yeah, man, I, I definitely agree. Uh, for me, um, I can also say, especially from a sports standpoint, an athlete, you, I had to get to a point where I had to realize, and my spiritual advisor helped me with this, the sport is not who you are. It's what you do. Um, and like, I know we didn't get into it, but I was, I was suicidal. Um, you know, literally about to jump, um, over 400 in Alpharetta to where I was in Peachford Hospital for like, seven days by myself. Um, you know what I mean? Going through it by myself. <clears throat> and a lot of it came from my depression of being hurt, uh, with baseball, tried to get back into it. And then, you know, when I said bump baseball, then I did the arena football thing. I'm thinking that my, my, my life is back in order. 
You know what I mean? The money's coming in now. You're you back know, playing a sport. I'm back playing yeah. a sport. You know who the, the endorsement <laughs> is. Yeah. And, you know, I had an Adidas ship, uh, Adidas sponsorship. You know, so I got a mm-hmm. lot of Adidas stuff. I had a core water sponsorship. Like, I thought I was a man again, right? Mm-hmm. And then when COVID happened, you know, it kind of killed me. Um, it killed my whole mood. And then it, it was very detrimental, too, as me as a husband. Um, so I had to get to a point where I felt like, for me, if I didn't, was if I wasn't successful in sports, mm-hmm. like, my life was over. But I had to understand sports is what I did. It's not, not who, who I are. am. Yeah. You know, I'm a father at that time. You know, I was a husband at that time. You know, like I said, a, a coach, a leader. Um, and the biggest thing I can say is for that person transition, you got to find your purpose. You know what I mean? And that's it's one not thing. easy. It's, it's not, not always easy. easy. Oh, my gosh. No. Um, and that's why I stay grounded in my faith. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm a real strong man of God. You know what I'm saying? And I really take that seriously um, because, again, you're not going to find your purpose unless you have him like really seeking him and doing that. And once I got that comfort into finding my purpose and my spiritual advisor said, you know, um, I don't know when or where, or how, but you're going to come back to the game of baseball. He was like, um, like I said, I, I, mean, I threw everything away for baseball. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk about it. I mean, my cousin is Jackie Bradley Jr. <laughs> right. Like literally. I mean, yeah. he, he was playing in the world series. My dad was like, Hey man, you talked to little Jackie today. I'm like, yeah, I talked to him on Facebook and we talked on the phone, but we didn't talk about baseball. You know what I mean? Because he probably knows. Yeah, you know what I mean? And me and Jackie's not playing anymore. You know what I mean? Oh, that's true. Yeah, he reached out to me like, yo, what you know, I I need some help. He's a family man too, but it's like I didn't I didn't talk about baseball anymore. Don't talk to me about it. If you wanted to talk baseball, I was I would be so irritated. Like, leave me alone about baseball. And my dad I had had to stop answering my dad's calls during the World Series when Jackie was playing. Mm. I was like, Dad, I don't want to talk about baseball. Just can't do it. You're right. So, but my spiritual advisor, name's Pastor Mordrow. Shout out to him. Um, he was just like, look, Kenny, you're going back to baseball, whether it's to play or whether it's to coach. He said, but God is going to bring you back to there because there are so many other people that you can touch, you know what I mean, uh, with that sport, with that platform. So I feel like now that's why I'm coaching now and I'm so passionate about coaching. And that's why I want to go to the next level at the pro level, because I feel like the message that I have a 13, 14 year old kid can't relate to the message that I have right now. I feel like the collegiate level players and the pro level players can connect to my message because for one, I got married young. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a father. Some of these guys are fathers now already. And my goal now is to build strong men outside of the game of baseball. So I feel like, you know, once you really tap into what your purpose is, and that's with anybody, not even just an athlete, that's just anybody who's facing something now. Um, Sometimes once you tap into your purpose, the money is not, it might not be a lot of money, right? But at the end of the day, you're getting that fulfillment that you're tapping into what your, what your assignment is while you're here on this earth. And once you tap into that, man, it don't matter if you make a million dollars or $10, $10 an hour. You know what I mean? That once you realize your purpose is, that's what's going to take over the happiness and just make you be extremely happy. I'm living life. that myself right now. Right? Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm, and I'm then, just starting and I know exactly yeah. what you mean. And then, like I said, from the, spe- the the parent aspect, man, let kids be kids. Like, literally. Like, my daughter, she's seven years old, and everybody sees my daughter. Like, nothing against Natalie. Okay, Nat, we still cool. I love you. But Savannah has all of my athletic. Right. Natalie has not one athletic attribute on her body. She'll tell you. But the business, oh, yeah, she's top notch in business. And Savannah got that from her. But the athleticism, Savannah has it from me. So she's in gymnastics. She's in soccer. 
right? She's in dance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? So, and I'm wanting to put her in track because her gait is just so amazing when she runs. So it's kind of like, I remember I had her in dance and then I did gymnastics with her last year. And mind you, she goes to school in Johns Creek. Mm-hmm. So Mondays and Wednesdays was dance in Roswell from 4 to 530. And she's in aerial as well. Mm-hmm. And she's the only kid under the age of 10 in aerial. So where they use the silks and they're climbing up the silks mm-hmm. and flipping and everything. That's what she does. She does that too. And in gymnastics. Right. <laughs> and then in gymnastics, I went literally one day for the first time ever. And the the owner of the gym is biogymnastics in, in, uh, in coming. And he comes up to me. He says, hey. Uh, Coach Cameron wants to look at your daughter, and I was like, "Wait, why? What's going on?" He was like, "They want." He was like, "She, she wants to see her." I was like, "Why? What happened?" And I was like, "Did I sign her up for the wrong class?" He said, "No." He said, "Have your daughter been doing gymnastics before?" And I was like, "No." He was like, "Well, we want to look at her." So Coach Cameron, she looks at um Savannah for an extra thirty minutes, and she comes. She said, "Hey, we want to put Savannah in Mighty Mice." I said, "What is Mighty Mice?" She said, "Well, it's like an intro to real gymnastic competition." Or whatever. And she was like, and once she passes that, we'll give her a test and we'll start moving her to level one, level two, level three, whatever. And so basically, I'm like, okay, how much is it going to run me? I was like, bump it. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> so basically, make a long story short, Savannah was in Mighty Mites for like four months. And then January of last year, they did her evaluation and moved her up to level one. Then literally at the level one, three months later, they moved her up to level two. And the, her test for her to go to level two was to have the rope. Right. All the way up to the ceiling. And she made it up the road in six point five seconds back down. Right. <laughs> and so basically they moved her to level two. But what it was, I had to realize when I say let kids be a kids, Savannah gets out of school at three o'clock. Right. From Johns Creek, um, Valley Christian Cabin, Johns Creek. And then it's like a 30 minute commute to uh, gymnastics, um, yeah. to gymnastics. So my baby girl was only five, six years old. She didn't have time to rest. Right. And then now they're doing all this ab work, these fish holes and stuff. And baby girl just came to me crying one day. She's like, Dad, I'm tired. I'm tired. I can't do it anymore. And I say, you know what? You're only six years old. Mm-hmm. You know it's, what I'm saying? Way I'm let you be, be a kid. kid right. Yeah. I'm let you be right. a kid. So I say that. So now she loves she wants to get back in gymnastics. Right. And now that I met my my, my new lady, Sarah, she's like said, play pro soccer before. She's big into soccer and she's a physical therapist now. So Savannah is so motivated to get mm-hmm. back into soccer and she wants to get back into gymnastics. But when I say let kids be a kid right now at this age, just let let them be kids. Yeah, if you hadn't done that, there's a good chance she'd be like, I whenever you finally let me stop, I'm not going back to it. Right, right. right. And so it's like I had to recognize that. So like I said, the parents, man, especially with these travel ball kids, you know, man, yep. I, I be in the baseball office and I see these parents, man, with their eight year old, nine year old kids and they you know, just drilling them, <laughs> drilling them. I'm just like, man, you're literally gonna be the reason why your child does not want to play a sport ever again. Because right. you're trying to live vicariously through, you know, through them, man. Right. So, yeah, that's 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 my that's my advice. So, real quick, you guys are obviously doing something now. You, you talked about you're doing the coaching and the training. Yeah. Uh, you said high school age, right? Yes. Uh, yes. So, somebody's listening. First of all, where can they get a, where, where can they get a hold of you and how, um, if they want to talk to you about training? Oh, yeah. So, they can definitely go on Instagram if they do have Instagram. And it's at Kenny Graham Jr. Nothing spectacular. Um, of course, you know, my Facebook is Kenny, uh, KJ Graham Jr. Cause KJ is my nickname. Um, and you know, that's it. Um, Twitter, uh, Twitter was big when I was in college back in like 07 to 11. So I'm just now getting back on that because now with me coaching, 
Um, I'm starting to hear from other travel ball coaches who've been in the game for a while that a lot of the scouts and a lot of the collegiate scouts and everything, there's a couple of uh, platforms um, that's big on Twitter. And if you hashtag those platforms and things, these coaches go right to that now. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need, you know yep. what I'm saying? They just do that. They just you, the hashtag, yeah, yeah, they just search the hashtag. So, but definitely on um, Instagram and Facebook, like I say, it's just at Kenny Graham Jr. Um, I've actually had a couple of guys, a couple of parents um, reach out to me via Instagram um, just because of the content that I coach about me, you know, that I post about right. my coach. And like I said, I'm, I'm very authentic. So if you go on my social media, you're going to see myself and my daughter, and then you're going to see me having fun, mm-hmm. being passionate about the coaching cool. thing. So, yeah, What yeah. facility are you at? Uh, I'm at Grand Slam Facility in Johns Creek. So okay. um, we used to be the Georgia Bombers, but we merged with a company called ZT, which is real big out there on the West Coast now. So now we're the ZT Bombers. So we have you know, seven, two 17U teams, uh, 16U, 15U, 14U, three 13U teams because they have a Southeast team now, all the way down to 8U. And then I'm also – the head coach for the Black Cobras, um, 18U team. And Black Cobras, actually a guy named Willie who named himself Black Cobra. Um, he's a very big uh, media content guy. Oh, that's big. I mean, he shoots uh, – he's YouTube. Um, I mean, he's on a couple of teams now that are going to contract. But every single kid in high school in the state of Georgia, especially in the area who was trying to be somebody or some type of content, they utilize him. He goes down to the – the you know the seventeen U tournaments in mm-hmm. Florida and West Palm and stuff he's real big but he put an eighteen U team together and then of course you know I do collegiate summer league ball um, with the Brookhaven Bucks in the Sun Belt League yep. I coach with a uh, Corey yep. Patterson all right uh, yeah, yeah. another uh, yeah. MLB champion yep yeah I was say, you definitely know that yeah, yeah 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 he's about literally I'm I oversight tower him <laughs> right so it's hard to believe that he has so much power when he played but yeah so he's the head coach for the um. Brookhaven Bucks, we play out of Oglethorpe University. And then, like I said, I'm the assistant oh. coach. Um, Next time we talk to him, tell him to respond, respond, respond my text. Oh, I got you. <laughs> I got you. I got you, man. But, yeah, 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 that, that's where I'm at, man. Yeah. All right. All right, so Nathan, CMIT Solutions Marietta. So, obviously, it's kind of in the name, but you guys do everything computers, right? As yep. far as uh, – sh- share a little bit about that and yeah. how can people get a hold of you. Yeah, so um, our our – CMIT Solutions is a uh, is a franchise. There's about 180 locations around the country, um, but ours is CMIT Solutions of Atlanta Northwest. Uh, we have a parent franchise that's down in Peachtree City, Noonan area. That's Atlanta Southern CMIT Solutions of Atlanta Southern Crescent. Um, but I am not the technician that fixes the computers. I'm in sales and business development, so I just find the people that need their computers to be fixed. Um, but the way I put it is, anything that beeps or blinks, we take care of and, and protect and monitor and manage and all that kind of stuff. Um, all the mobile devices, remote monitoring, the network and the data backup, the business continuity, all that good stuff. Um, but on LinkedIn and, uh, I would say Facebook, if you search CMIT solutions, uh, Atlanta Northwest, you can find us or, um, cell phone is 770-584-0026. My mind was just about to say business card, but that's hard to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can find us on, uh, on, on Facebook and, and LinkedIn and anything technical related. We offer free assessments. So even any questions or anything like that, we don't charge you for, we just like to, to help as many people as we can. And our goal is to just, whether you become a client or not, just leave you in a better spot than, than you were when we found you. So, you know, you, you share your website too. Uh, yeah, it's uh, just cmitsolutions.com, and then uh, that'll take you to the franchise website, and, okay. and you can find uh, type in. I think it makes you type in your zip code, and then it'll direct you to to the appropriate franchise, and that should be us. All right. So as we wrap this up, um, I always like to end this with a positive word or quote. Starting off the new year, twenty twenty four, and beyond with 
you already shared something earlier. You can share it again if you want to, but if you got something different, what kind of um, would you I, share? The the best, I don't even know if it really qualifies as a quote. It's too short, but my, uh, my dad and my grandpa have told me for my whole life that everything is relative. And, and then just really talking about perspective. I mean, just like the, the story I shared about the kid from the Dominican that sent his whole check home. I mean, yeah, I thought it was a really tough situation that I was in. And then relative to his, it's really not that bad. So just keeping in mind that everything is relative is some of the best advice I've ever gotten. It took me a while to kind of realize exactly what that meant. But, um, once it kind of clicked for me, that's, that's the best advice I've gotten. Kenny. Uh, yeah, for me, man, I take it, uh, especially from a spiritual standpoint too. Um, especially what I've been hearing, you know, growing up and even now, sometimes when you go through adversity, sometimes God will sit you down and knock you down to to shake you up a little bit and get you back on track. Um, so I can just tell people, man, just embrace adversity um, and just and just be better in 2024. So, you know, whatever happened last year, year before that, just learn from it, embrace it. And sometimes understand that, you know, God got something better for you that nobody can see, not even you can see. And sometimes you're going through these type of things to literally for him to be like, look, I need you to start relying on me more. Um, and once you do so, um, you know, greater things can happen. And the last thing I can say, sometimes when you are trying to go different places, go better, you know what I mean? Sometimes in order to elevate, you got to separate. Um, so, you know, if there's a, a group of friends out there that you're with that's caused you not to elevate in what you're trying to do, sometimes you got to separate from there. Sometimes you got to separate from a from a relationship you know, or even separate from a job or whatever, to, mm-hmm. you know, that's stopping you from right. going to where you go. So that, that that's all. Right. Well, the last thing is uh, the thank you is a lost art these days. So Nathan and Kenny, thank you for what you guys do in the community and being former professional athletes and just being regular human beings. I was going to say the same thing. Thank you for doing what you do and, yeah, and being who you are, man. Absolutely, man. So everybody out there listening, let's remember, let's be positive. Let's be charitable.